Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 45 of Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and if today is your first time tuning into the program, I just want to share with you the heart behind Serving Our Nation. This is a program that is focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders, and my goal is to offer you hope and encouragement through stories each week of people that live their lives focused in this idea of being a servant leader and honoring God. Because what I know to be true is that when you do that, blessings will just naturally follow as a byproduct of that service. Because at the end of the day, all of us are ministers of some kind because we are given special gifts by God. And because of that, it is our obligation, our responsibility, that when we see somebody in need, we need to go and fill that need to the best of our ability with whatever gifts and time and resources we have available. Because serving is for everyone, regardless of what walk of life you're in. And we've seen that demonstrated over the last year by people in all walks of life. People in the military, business, faith, in the community, and people just doing something as simple as serving their family. And if you missed last week's show, episode 44, I had the great honor of talking to my namesake, Pastor Paul McCullough, a man that serves as a pastor at a local church but also as a chaplain with thousands of people throughout his community. I think a community of around 40,000 people. He serves in the fire and police and emergency services and just so many different people that he goes out and ministers to. So if you didn't hear that show, I'd highly encourage you to get back and listen to that because it will definitely warm your heart. But for this week, just a little bit about me that's relevant to today's guest. As I mentioned to you a few times in the past, I'm a retired Army officer, and I also currently serve as the president of the Penn and Franklin, otherwise known as the Philadelphia chapter of AUSA, the Association of the United States Army. And through that venue, I've had the great privilege of working with two really incredible men that are going to be my guests on today's show. The first is Mr. Greg Nardi. He's the executive director for Bucks County Bar Association and Foundation. He's also a retired lieutenant colonel, and he was the former professor of military science for Temple University. Greg is also a Boy Scout leader and a board member with me in AUSA. Along with Mr. Greg Nardi, I'm going to have on today Mr. Jonathan Childs. He's a financial planner for the McNamara Financial Group. He's a former Army officer. He's a board member of the West Point Society of Philadelphia, and he serves with Greg and I on the board of AUSA. So when we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Mr. Greg Nardi and Mr. Jonathan Childs. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and today I'm joined by Mr. Greg Nardi and Mr. Jonathan Childs. Gentlemen, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be on the program here with me today. Yeah, thank you for having us, Paul. Thank you. 
Well, listen, guys, um, one of the reasons that I wanted to have both of you on is, you know, as I've had an opportunity to interact with you and we've been working together in AUSA and in some other areas as well, you know, it really has jumped out at me the number of things that both of you do and how much of your life is really dedicated towards this idea of servant leadership. And so that's really the heart of this program. And I think the two of you really exemplify that. So again, really appreciate you being on the show. And if it's okay, I wanted to start with a point of commonality that we all have, this idea of AUSA and our beloved Army. So if you don't mind, if you would share with us, you know, what motivated you to, to join the Army, you know, how that was uh, like for you when, when you started all that. So, John, if it's okay, we'll start with you. Okay, well, uh, I I started off, um, actually, I, I, I like to say that it was a whole big feeling of selfless service in, when I was like 18-year-old kid, but quite honestly, when I was 18-year-old kid, I was like a lot of other 18-year-olds, I was kind of like, it's myself, and it was good for me. Yeah. So, um, I got a letter from West Point uh, my junior year in high school, and then I said, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll try to give it a shot and see what happens, and, um, you know, and I went to West Point, right, grade school, pre-ride, it's okay, wow, you know, it's awesome, so. Um, but once I got there, I, I joined in 98, um, um, at West Point. And then uh, once I got there, I realized that it's a lot more than just this free education. It's more about like, you know, the self of service is more about, uh, you know, this brotherhood, sisterhood. And, uh, I, I found a lot of, um, great, great values in it. And, uh, it kind of grew. I kind of started to kind of model myself towards that kind of, uh, atmosphere. So, um, as longer I stayed in, the more I sort of feel the whole self service thing. And I started saying, wow, this is actually real. Like they yes. have really good values in it. So yeah. that's kind of how I started off. And so you graduated in 98 or you started at West Point in 98? I started in 98 and I graduated in 2002. Okay. And then how long did you serve in our army? I served uh, a lot shorter than I expected. Um, I, served, I served for three and a half years, but that was partly because of uh, this today. And I'll keep it really short, but um on graduation day from West Point, driving home down the Palisades Parkway, I got into a car accident and I was in a coma for a little while. So um, fast forward about two and a half years of recovering. And then I served at Walter Reed as an executive officer for about a year. And then I got medically discharged in uh, 2005. Yeah. And John, you know, you've told me that story a number of times. But what I really love about it is, you know, a lot of guys in your situation, having gotten into a car accident, they would have just thrown in the towel and they would have said, you know what, I'm done. This was clearly not meant to be. I'm just going to resign my commission and call it a day. But, you know, you stuck in there as long as you possibly could. And you went to Walter Reed and you helped other people that had that struggle. And now still, even though you're no longer in the army, you're still with AUSA and still serving our army. So again, thank you for being on. I love your story. I love, you know, what you've done for our army and continuing to do. Um, you know, in, in the military period, not just at West Point, but in the military, like how, you know, you're, you're, you are actually the selfless service thing is real. It's not just a, a commercial or something that sounds cute to get people to, you know, to say, you know, get free meals at Applebee's or something like that. <laughs> it, it actually, it's actually a real, a real thing. And, um, you know, the kind of gets more ingrained in you the longer you're with the military. So, yeah. um, you know, even afterwards, it's something I still continue to go on through, through AUSA and other, other veterans organizations I'm part of. Yeah. So, Greg, I know you have a different story. Um, so will you share with us, you know, what the Army journey has been like for you? Yeah, I think similar to Jonathan, you know, kid coming out of high school, I was looking for something different. I was into sports. I was into scouting, uh, looking for uh, a school that was really uh, good in the math science area. And so I was attracted to West Point initially for all of that. And then once getting there, uh, the, the emphasis on character 
uh, the emphasis on leadership, uh, the emphasis on the honor code. Uh, it was very much in line with with how I was raised and what I saw in the example of my parents. Um, you know, they, they were very much involved in church and in other community activities, uh, and it, it, it just fit and, and it grew on me and, you know, it became a, a, a lifelong passion. And how long did you serve in our army? Uh, I served from graduation in 1995 through 2017, so 22 years. And if I'm correct, you retired um, as a professor of military science working at a temple? I did. The, the, what got me to Philadelphia was that uh, ROTC program at Temple University. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was able to serve with that program for four years. And then uh, my wife and I didn't want to move our kids uh, to another school district after all of those moves. So we yeah. said, let's find uh, something in the Philadelphia area. And yeah. So here we are. That's great. Yeah. But, you know, I'm really curious. So there's definitely a common thread between both of your stories, um, but you've had different journeys. You've had different assignments. I wonder what was the greatest thing that our army taught you about leadership and in particular, maybe servant leadership, you know, how you really should care for others and really lead and guide others. So Greg, start with you this time. Yeah. I, I think what it comes down to is, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not a naturally positive person, but, mm-hmm. but through, uh, through interacting with a lot of great people and, and learning from a lot of others, you know, I realized that, you know, in the servant leadership, there's a lot of positivity. There's yes. a lot of, yeah. and, and, but not unrealistic, not Pollyanna positivity, um, you know, where, where everything is always going to be awesome, but just that tomorrow can be better than today, even when you're doing tough things and that things can work out and that, that, um, you know, combined with, with one's faith, um, you know, that faith brings hope and that, That's that good. we know that, that, that uh, you know, that again, that tomorrow can be better, that things can work out and that we can work through whatever struggles, whatever challenges are in front of us. Wow, that is really good, Greg. I, I've talked to a lot of army leaders and I've never heard that perspective. That is great. I've like, even from generals, I haven't heard that. That is really good. So John, what do you think? Oh, you got me going behind, got me going behind now. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, I think I'll take a different uh, spin on it, kind of exactly what, what, what Greg said. But also, I say um, the selfless service thing I mean, is it, it, very coupled very closely with leadership. And that's something I learned when I was at the Army, too. Like, so leadership, when you go into the when you think of Army or even just, um, you know, when I was a civilian, I think about, like, you know, leadership, they think of the person who's in charge, the person who's authority. Right. When that often, that's often a misunderstanding. Leadership is actually just persuading people to do what's right against, usually against their own wishes. So, for example, like, you know, when you're in the military, you're, you're, you're trying to persuade people to go into a firefighter, to purposely go into a dangerous situation that yep. can actually harm them or kill them for the better good. And the way you do that is by showing that. It's not for me. You're doing it for the, the better for everybody. It's selfless service. So like, I'm not doing it for my glory or for the glory of my unit, but I'm doing it for what's right, for what's the uh, the, the valuable thing for other people. So the thing I learned, um, the best the best leaders I had in my career were the ones who made me feel like the things they were telling me to do was either for my own good or for the best of somebody else, not for themselves. And they were the ones who were just getting just as dirty and just as cold and just as hot and just as whatever as we were. So you could, so that kind of proved to them that proved to us that it's not for them. It's for a, a higher cause, a better purpose. So that's what I think about leadership. And I think the thing I learned about the army, and I think that's something that can really be applied in the civilian world too. So even civilian bosses, you know, when they tell you to stay late at night, 
it's not just to kind of hopefully it's not just to get a few extra you know, profit margin or whatever that night, but it's for the betterment of the unit, betterment of the of the company or whatever. Yeah. And um, you know, I think that's that's what real leadership is really about. John, you know, uh, just this morning I was looking on Facebook and there happened to be a little blurb about General Colin Powell or Mr. Secretary Colin Powell. And he was doing a short little interview, obviously at a dinner or something. And they asked him, what was the greatest thing that you learned about leadership? And he said almost the exact same thing that you just said. And he summed it up in one word. He said, trust. If your people can look at you and if even if you're hungry, you don't show that you're hungry. Even if you're scared and you're terrified, you don't show that. And even if you feel like you're lonely and it's a desperate situation, you don't trust that. And you're getting there and you're down with the men and you're doing the hard things. They trust you. And because of that, and you're showing that selfless service and I'm in there with you and you know, you can trust me that I'm telling you, we need to go do this thing and I'm going to be right there along with you. You can get people to go beyond what the scientific management says is that realm, the, the limits of people's capability. They're going to go that extra mile for you, that superhuman strength, if you will. So, man, I love what you guys are talking about. Yep. So let me change this up a bit. So that's what you learned. But now putting that into action, what was the hardest thing that you had to do while you were serving in the army? Right. Like these are really good ideals that we're talking about and really good principles. But how did you live that out? And, you know, maybe a tough circumstance that you're presented with while you were in uniform. So, John, we'll start with you this time. Uh, yeah, that's one thing too. I, I, I kind of hit it on a little bit in our um, like previously. I was in the Army for a pretty short time because of the car accident thing. But the one thing that comes to mind is um, that I still live with. I still think about now is. Um, when I was at Walter Reed, uh, it was during the big uptick of uh, deployments for OIF, OEF. And uh, one of my soldiers, um, she was a single mother. She had a family, things like that. She got tasked to go get deployed. And she really, really, really didn't want to get deployed. She really seriously, desperately didn't want to get deployed. Mm-hmm. So she actually um, tried to take her life one night. Wow. And um, I guess just to kind of prove like, no, I'm not going to go. And uh and she was one of a couple of people, you know, in, in our unit and like the whole brigade that tried to do it. But the other ones, I guess, were more for like, I guess, I don't want to try to trivialize it, but they tried like for attention, kind of like, I don't know if they really were going to do it. She really, really was going to do it. She had to go to like a whole different suicide ward of Walter Reed. Uh-huh. Anyway, so my job as a first lieutenant, what behind the ears first lieutenant was, I, I actually said, listen, this is serious. Let me go up to the three star general's office unannounced. And talk to him and say, hey, sir, listen, like, this is serious. Like, we really need to get her some counseling and get her kind of almost out. Yeah. And um, the hard thing about, about that for me was partly a because of her her health and her um, her situation, but also because when she she's going to get medically, she's going to get discharged. And for her to get discharged, I know what, what follows that. Usually the discharge mark, usually if it's dishonorably discharged, that can follow you the rest of your life right. for jobs, things like that. Right. And I said, wow, what is that going to do? But I had to kind of balance between either her keeping her here and she take her life or she live, but she have a harder life afterwards. So that was probably one of the hardest things I had to do as, as a, as a Lieutenant in the army, it was, uh, you know, do that. And so what was the outcome? She actually, well, we actually did get her out. Um, she, she did really want to get out. She, we actually had to write her orders out. And I still, I say now I still think about that. I wonder what happened to her. I still remember her name, things like that. I still remember she looks like, but um, I've lost track with her, obviously. And I don't know. I still think once in a while, like, you know, I wonder what, what happened or like, where is she now and things like that. But yeah, um, that was a tough thing I had to do. Wow. Greg, how about you? 
Good. Uh, I, I think the, the the toughest challenge within the military, you know, within the Army uh, during my 20 years was, you know, came in uh, the 2010 to 2011 deployment to Afghanistan. Um, I was the executive officer of our battalion and uh, our battalion chaplain was was killed in a, in a combat incident. And wow. I guess it was the first, you know, Chaplain Dale Getz. He was out uh, serving soldiers. He was out visiting soldiers and and he would ride with the logistics convoys to one of our 14 bases in order to visit with the soldiers in all 14 bases. So he yeah. had to get around and and he was out and there was an IED attack and he was, uh, you know, one of, of quite a number of soldiers that was that was killed that day. Um, and, and just dealing with, uh, you know, as, as the head of the staff, you know, dealing with the unit, helping, you know, all aspects of the unit. You know, the chaplain is probably other than maybe the commander and the command sergeant major. You know, the chaplain is is as well known as by every soldier to all of them and probably mm-hmm. more well liked than mm-hmm. any other person <laughs> in, in the unit. Um, you know, and has helped obviously quite a number of soldiers through various challenges. Um, and so the loss of a chaplain is huge, is huge in that. I mean, it, like it's intuitive to say that, but going through it was was incredible. So, you know, there was you know, I was friends with him. Um, you know, the, there were lots of people on the staff that were friends with him as, as their peers. Um, and then all the soldiers that were very close to him and then uh, and then getting a new chaplain on board. And then, you know, some weeks later, Father Kevin Peak out of Fort Carson shows up on a helicopter and getting him integrated into the unit. And because he was a Catholic priest, he had to not only help our battalion, but then he was tasked to not only go over all over our brigade, but really all over regional command South area, all over southern Afghanistan, since he was one of one of a few priests. So. Just that that whole thing put together was pretty pretty challenging over a long period of time. Wow. So, Greg, there's several things there that really captivate me. One, um, I am pretty sure I know Chaplain Peak that you're referring to. It's a small army, and yeah. through my job at American Bible Society, I get to go and meet a lot of chaplains, and I have met a Chaplain Kevin Peak. So yeah. he's a 06 getting ready for retirement now, and but really really great man. Um, I don't know if that was the experience that you had with them, but the guy that I met, really great yeah. man. Um, but also, I like I could not agree with you more about the trauma associated with potentially losing a chaplain. In every yeah. assignment that I've had, the chaplain was like my best friend and the guy that I wanted to spend the most time with, especially in a deployed environment. So, yeah, could not agree with you more. Well, we're coming up on about 15 minutes, so we're going to take a quick break here for a commercial. But when we return, I'm going to continue the conversation with Mr. Greg Nardi and Jonathan Childs. So stay with us. We'll be right back. God's not dead. He's surely alive. He's living on the inside. You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and today I'm joined by Mr. Greg Nardi and Mr. Jonathan Childs. So, gentlemen, in the last segment, we were talking a little bit about our shared experiences in our Army. But now I'd also like to focus a little bit on AUSA, the Association of the United States Army. So I'm really curious. I mean, we've been on the board together now uh, for some time. Greg and I, you've been um, with me for quite a while. And John, you know, you've been with us for a few months now. But I'm curious if you would share 
why it is that you really wanted to be part of the team. Like it had nothing to do with me because you guys were certainly Greg, you were on the team before me and John, you're involved in a lot of things. So I know it had nothing to do with me, but what was your heart behind AUSA? What really drives your passion for AUSA? Greg, start with you. All right. Um, I think to, uh, to applaud AUSA's marketing program, you know, I, I've been a member of AUSA, uh, you know, you try continuously at, during the Army, but I'm sure my membership fell on and off over yeah. the years. But, you know, I was a member, not super involved, but just I felt that it was an important organization to uh, support the, the mission of, of the Army. And then coming into Temple University, uh, Jim Donahue, who was then president of the chapter, uh, approached me one day and uh, we sat down and talked about what the chapter was doing in the Philadelphia area. And, uh, you know, and, and I thought it supported the mission at Temple University and that uh, us at Temple University could help uh, the chapter. And so then we started hosting events. We participated in events with color guards, you know, with audience members. You know, there were great professional development things, awards for cadets. So it, it helped certainly helped out the cadets um, and helped me out. And then uh, he asked me to be on the board. And, you know, I've been doing it since, uh, I think, gosh, 2013. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Doing, yeah, really enjoying it. And so, and so now why do I continue? Um, again, I still think it's important. And, you know, like, uh, the whole, uh, proverb, uh, iron sharpening iron, right? So one person sharpens another. I feel like I get, I get sharpened way more, uh, than I think I sharpen others. Uh, I love being surrounded by great people. It makes me better. And I'm inspired by, by what I see from you two guys and from everyone else that we work with. That's awesome, Greg. Thank you. John, how about you? What's your passion for AUSA? Yeah, basically the same thing that uh, Greg said. I mean, I think, well, I started off because um, I, 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 I like I like Greg. I was actually a member before um, Mr. Donahue. Um, and uh, I knew Mr. Donahue from the West Point Society in Philadelphia because I was a secretary mm -hmm. of West Point Society in Philadelphia. He used to always come to our luncheons and we talked and then we, I, I got really close to him. And then I was a member of then, you know, then I kind of fell off on and off. And then I saw a lot of other people from my other veteran organizations were part of AUSA. And I said, they told me about AUSA. I said, Hey, you know, let me check it out. And again, it's a lot of times is the, the veteran community is a very pretty small tight knit community. And yeah. a lot of times you go to these different events, you see a lot of overlap. You see a lot of people at the same events. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, yeah, you know, let me give, let me give it a shot, take a look at it. And I, I read the message and yeah, it's, it's for the army. Um, the different organizations I'm part of are different aspects of the veteran world. I guess, uh, like, like Travis Main Foundation is more for civilians, but we're, we're veterans helping civilians. Um, West Point Society is more towards West Point and duty on our country. Mm -hmm. Um, then the Veteran Business Front Network is all, it's a mixture of all different types of, uh, uh, service people that be from all, all the uh, different branches. Mm -hmm. But the Army is the Army. Yeah. And, uh, I just wanted to mix a touch mostly into Army because I have certain, you know, I was a certain, uh, affinity for the Army, me being an Army vet. So, mm -hmm. um, I figured let me check it out. It's been a great thing. A lot of, uh, you know, great people like yourselves, uh, as well as like Erica, Erica Webster and, uh, Ken Wong and a bunch of other people that are so Dave Gillespie. So yeah, that's what I want to do is like figure out how I can best serve, um, in different capacities. That's great. So with you guys being on as long as you have and, you know, John, you came to us around last summer. Uh, your first time uh, at one of our events was the Stars and Stripes. But still, you've been able to see quite a bit over the last nine months. I, I wonder if there's an experience that, you know, maybe you're the most proud of or maybe something was a blessing to you um, in your service to AUSA, you know, during your time on the board. So, well, John, we'll start with you this time. 
Yeah, that's one of the things I, like you said, pretty short time. I would say a few things. Um, probably one of the things I liked a lot was when we did the Army Navy Soccer Cup. Yeah. When we were out there. Um, I like the fact that we got a lot of people who aren't necessarily veterans themselves, but a lot of civilians that were looking at us. And we were talking to a lot. Of, it seemed like you're so interested in that. Um, I think that was a good a good thing because a lot of people, when they, a lot of civilians who aren't too familiar with the military, they tend to think of it as all about like shooting and hoy and like you know a lot of right, you know, right, and, and and all that stuff. And it's not just that. Obviously, it's a lot more than that. It's a lot more of giving back, a lot of community service, a lot of like you know more soft skills, things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think them talking to us in at the uh, at the Army Navy Soccer Cup at the little booth we had. Um, gave them more of a sense of, wow, it's a lot more than just that. Just There's a lot more opportunity, a lot more potential that I have joining the military than just shooting guns, throwing grenades and getting dirty and just, you know, yelling and roaring like a lot of testosterone. So um, that was one of the things I was more proud of was the fact that we were able to touch a lot of the civilians and give a different look of the uh, military, especially, particularly the Army to them. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, and I got to tell you, I really enjoyed being there and, you know, just being right there uh, as people were walking through and just getting to talk to so many different people about our army, because even though I've been retired for three years, like it's in your blood, right? Like I can't help talking about our army. So I, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, John. Greg, how about you? What are you most proud of or what blessing have you gotten from being on the chapter? Yeah, I think for, for me, it, it goes around the Stripes and Stars Festival mm-hmm. in June. Um, and not just, not just any one individual event, but I know that, uh, our AUSA chapter has been participating in that since at least 2014. Mm-hmm. I, I participated in one with our, uh, the Temple University ROTC program back in 2014. And so that, that with all of the changeover and leadership all over the past few years, the fact that our chapter has said, hey, this event uh, that celebrates our nation's flag, that celebrates the Army's birthday, that, you know, is just in, right here in the center of Philadelphia with with all the history and traditions um, that are involved in that, that, that we as a chapter have been able to continue, you know, a very important and central role in that, in that, well, you know, in those festivities. Uh, I think that that's been very meaningful for me to see that continue. That's really great. So, you know, both of you are involved in a lot of other things besides AUSA. And I wonder if you'd share with us just a little bit of how you're able to take what you learned from our army and what you're doing at AUSA and really model servant leadership in these other roles that you have. You know, so Greg, you've got the Bucks County, you were a PMS and John, you mentioned the West Point Society and Travis Mannion. I mean, clearly, when you're in any kind of position of leadership, you're on display. I remember a battalion commander used to say to us when I was a young lieutenant, maybe a captain, he said, the minute that you become an officer, you are on display for the rest of your life. And even as a parent or just a leader in the community, you're on display, right? And so as we engage in other activities in our community and our families, we're still on display. So what was that like for you, Greg? Um, how are you able to really model servant leadership in the other things that you do? Yeah, I, I think it just goes into, uh, yeah, setting the example for others, you know, that I, I love that phrase, the on display and that, that it's just in the example that, you know, from setting an example for kids and, and modeling service to, to help kids, uh, very involved in scouting activities, you know, with my boys and, and, uh, when my daughters have been involved. Uh, with sports that I know anything about, I try to try to help out. Um, and so, 
um, you know, just helping out with those things in the community, other veteran organizations like Eric Stetson's four block organization, mm-hmm. and helping as a career coach there. Um, you know, and, and I think that's what attracted me to working at a, at a bar association as weird as that sounded to me initially, you know, I realized that was a, it's a membership association that is, you know, focused on serving, you know, serving the members, serving the, the professional needs, uh, of, of the, of the membership. Uh, and, and so all of that combined together, just, uh, you know, I think it creates a lifestyle in the long run. Yes. Know. Amen. John, your thoughts. Yeah, I think the same. I think, uh, a lot of it was, uh, encapsulated in the last statement that you said, Greg was this lifestyle. Um, you know, yeah. I think it's pretty much the way you, you conduct yourself, the way you hold yourself, hold yourself. Like, I mean, I still cut my hair. Well, my hair is, I'm losing my hair now. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, just like the way you present yourself and the way you carry yourself. I think a lot of times, I can't tell you how many times I've met somebody new and they say, once I tell them I was in the military, they say, I knew you were in the military. I could tell because the way you stand and the way you, you carry yourself, mm-hmm. your presence, you know, yeah. um, that's something you learn, obviously, from the years of you know, marching and, and way you, the, the atmosphere that you're in. Right. But also, as far as service is concerned, um, you know, like I love when I do like these talks with the Travis Manning Foundation for high, little high school kids, things like that, or even just kids in elementary school is it's showing them that the selfless service doesn't just just apply just when you're in the military. It's even afterwards. You know, the fact that I'm still taking time out of my day to go talk to you about these things. Um, it shows that I still live this life. I still do feel the need to give back to the community yeah. and, you know, to, to, to provide a great example and display of what it's like to be a military person and, you know, really kind of live the life. So um, those are ways that I try to keep it going and it helps out where it's working out so far. So that's great. So I'm going to pull the thread just a little bit. So we're all involved in a lot of different things. And I don't know about you gentlemen, but for me, one of the greatest challenges is always making sure that I'm keeping balance in my life between my jobs and my other activities and my wife and my kids and my faith and all these different things that are in my orbit, so to speak. And so I wonder if you would share with us, John, you know, how do you keep the balance in your life with all the different things you have going on? You know, you get your financial planning, West Point, AUSA, Travis Mannion, you got a wife, like it's a lot to manage. Yeah. Well, I think um, for me, I, th- I think it's a bit, what makes it a bit easier is I don't segregate them so much. They kind of all kind of blend a bit. So for instance, like um, the feeling I say, like giving back selfless service, integrity, things like that. Mm-hmm. I do that in my job. You know, if the financial world, especially I come back with, I start with it behind the eight ball when I step into a new place with a financial person because of the Madoffs and the Wolf of Wall Street kind of, imp- you know, uh, impression you get from a finance guy, you yeah. know, like yeah. the first thought that comes in your head is, okay, what do you want? How much money? How are you trying to get me for this money? <laughs> when I have to kind of go and say, listen, like, you know, I'm trying to do what's right for you and deal with integrity. And I actually will walk away from, you know, big, big quote unquote money making deals if it's not right for you kind of thing. So, um, so that, that kind of blends into my, my work. And then also, um, you know, with my, my wife, for instance, my wife's actually, she's, she's part of Travis Manion Foundation as well. So she kind of feels that kind of the, the need to serve. She's a, right now she's a high school counselor. So she does a lot of things, selfless service, and she likes to have that kind of um, integrity and that kind of a uh, mindset as well. So, you know, we, we kind of mix a lot of these different things together. Um, that's why it's not so segregated. But uh, I do make sure that uh, I, I do, we do set out some time for just me, she and I, you know, to hang out. Yes. So you do have to kind of make, put that, you definitely got to find that, that balance. You got to put that in your schedule a bit, but it's usually not too hard because like I said, it kind of blends in a lot of what I do in different aspects of my life. 
Greg? Good. You know, this was, I saw this question coming up and, and that was, this is the one that's probably been most challenging for me because I think it, uh, getting out of the army has caused, you know, causes a lot of reflection for all of us. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you're in a profession where things literally are a matter of life and death, um, you know, it, it, it provides clarity on what is the priority many times. And then you get out of that and, and you realize that, okay, now maybe not everything is life and death or maybe nothing is life and death or very rarely is yeah. life and death. And, um, you know, then it, it can become a challenge that, you know, a lot of us were, were joiner. I know I'm a joiner. I think all three of us are joiners on here and you can't, you can let yourself get spread too thin. And so I think through, uh, you know, a lot of reflection, uh, a lot of prayer, you know, I think I've gotten better at it, but I, I'm definitely, uh, uh, definitely still always, uh, you know, trying to improve and making sure that, um, you know, I'm, I'm spending time with the family where it needs to be spent. And um, especially, you know, now I think now it has come to light more in my life as kids go off to college. I have two in college now and two. And as as the kids grow up and get towards that, uh, you know, the other two of mine that are not in college, you know, as they're getting older, I'm, I'm sitting there looking at them going, okay, am I, do, do, do we have enough of a bond? Have we done enough together? And yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just, yeah, just constant, constant struggle, constant reflection. I hear you. Amen. So we got about two minutes left. So last question I have for you, gentlemen. So maybe there might be something, somebody listening today and you know, maybe there are a person that's getting ready to retire from our arming. Maybe they're a young person that served just one tour and they're looking to separate. So somebody that is in transition in one way or another from our army into the civilian world. So based on your own transition and what you've done with AUSA and other organizations, what advice would you give to them as they're going through this struggle in this time in their lives? So Greg, we'll start with you on this question. I'd be say, don't be afraid to reach out, even if it's a cold email, a cold instant message, a cold call to to other veterans. There are so many organizations and individuals that want to help in your career transition. There are so many organizations that just want to uh, get other people as part of their team to serve the community from Travis Mannion to AUSA to Four Block. Um, and that everybody has time for a five minute phone call. Everybody has time for a cup of coffee. Um, so don't be afraid to reach out, ask a question about job transition, about their organizations they're in. Um, just reach out and plug in and, and there, there is help out there for you. I love it. John, your thoughts. Again, once again, Greg, you, you, uh, you really set the standard. Um, that's exactly, <laughs> I think that's a great, great thing. I mean, that's, I, I, I agree. I think it's, I think back to myself when I first separated, I thought, okay, well, my first mindset was, okay, the army was in the past. I could tell my grandkids about it and that's it. But little do you know that it's still, still out there. They're like, like Greg said, there's a lot of veterans out there that want to help. And there's still that feeling of camaraderie you can still, can still maintain after the military. So I would say just, you know, don't, don't take your time in the military for granted is just saying, okay, well, that was the thing. Close the book on that. That's done. I mean, it's something that I think you could still, you can still kind of go through the same process or the same kind of practices or have the same mindset even in the in the uh, civilian world. So and you can actually link up with a lot of fellow vets in your area that will provide a lot of help and can be a great resource for you. So, Amen. 
Guys, it has been such a blessing listening to the both of you and sharing your experiences and it really hearing your heart and all these issues. And I want to thank you so much for being guests in the program today and really sharing your life with the listening audience today. So thanks so much for being with us. Our pleasure. Uh, thank you, Paul. Thank you. All right. When we come back from the break, we're going to reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard today from Greg and John. So stay with us. We'll be right back. If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. And as we close out today's show, let's just think about what we've heard from today's guests. So many really great lessons that we've heard today from John and Greg. And I want to just start back from the beginning of our conversation where both of these gentlemen were talking about this idea of selfless service and character development and leadership development. And so one of the greatest ways that you can serve, I will always believe this, is by joining the military. Because when you join the military, not only are you serving our country, but you're developing all of these character traits that these two gentlemen talked about. Selfless service, character development, leadership. And then they took it a step further. And they said that, when they were in the army, they learned about how to be a positive leader, that faith would always bring hope and really portraying to people that tomorrow is going to be a better day and persuading people to do what's right. Now, listen, I certainly would advocate for anybody to join the army or the military in general. But this idea of selfless service and positivity and persuading people to do what's right, that carries over to any walk of life, whether you're in business or a faith leader or a community leader, or even just a leader in your home, right? You can do those things. You can be positive. You can really have faith that tomorrow is going to be a better day. You can put other people first and you can persuade people to do the right thing in the face of adversity. Something else I really liked that both these men emphasized was this idea of community. And so regardless of what walk of life you're in or what job you're doing, you can really serve people by establishing and being part of a community, right? And so they talked about all of their different work and the things that they're involved in, right? And so for Greg, it's the Boy Scouts and sports and the nonprofit where he works. And for John, it's the Travis Mannion Foundation and the West Point Society. But John talked about this idea of those things are integrated and he is just naturally going out and serving his community and they're being part of a veteran community where they're building a relationship with other people. And so I'd encourage you today that no matter what job you're in, be a part of a community, lend a helping hand, allow people to know that you're there for them if they need help. And I really like what we were talking about, this idea of setting the example 
and it being a lifestyle. A lifestyle. So both men are dedicated to a lifestyle, a long-term commitment of this idea of servant leadership. And so I would really encourage you, whether you're a minister or a business leader, a CEO, make it be your lifestyle that other people come first. And one of the last things that I really think is crucial. Now, if you're being part of a community and you're establishing that lifestyle and you've learned these attributes of selfless service and positivity and all those other things, can you be a mentor to younger people? Can you be a helping hand? Can you let other people know that when they're trying to transition, when they're trying to figure out what they're supposed to do in life, whether they should turn left or turn right, can you be that person that is there for them? Can you be the person that says, hey, give me a call. I'm only, you know, a phone call away. So let's have a Zoom conversation or a phone call. Let's go for a cup of coffee. Because none of us should take our experiences for granted. Regardless of what job we've had, we've all been able to develop and learn things. And so we should use those things, those experiences to pay it forward and help other people that are coming up. So I'm really thankful for what these two gentlemen shared here today. And I really think there's so much that all of us can learn from that and really live those things out in our lives. Next thing I want to talk to you about is this idea that I always mention to you is that when you put good into the universe, good comes back to you. And so this past week was a really emotional one for me in ups and downs. And so on Monday... My son turned 18 years old. And so we had a really big celebration for him. And it was a coming of age. And I had some really special men speak words of life into him. And it was a really proud thing to see my young man as an adult, a young adult. And now he's matured and he's really able to go out and face the world on his own. But something that I shared with him during my talk with him was this concept of a wolf pack. And so for a very long time, I had said to him that, listen, when you turn 18, I expect you to be able to stand on your own two feet and go out and face the world, right? Because my family is a wolf pack, so to speak, right? And there can only be one alpha wolf in a wolf pack. And so as he grows up and matures, right? Clearly I want him to be an alpha wolf, but there can't be two alpha wolves in one pack. So my encouragement to him was to think about this idea of going out and starting his own pack, right? Being his own alpha wolf, okay? But I made it really clear to him that if he ever needs help, if he ever feels like he's in trouble, one of the great things about being a wolf is that you can literally howl and the wolf pack will come to help you. And so the good part of the story again was his birthday celebration on Monday. The very next day, my son gets into a car accident. He's on his way to school and he gets hit on the side of the vehicle really hard by oncoming traffic. And so clearly when I got the phone call about that, there was a lot of emotional response and I was upset and concerned and all those things. And so Despite the fact that the vehicle is mangled, the really good news is that my son was able to get up and walk away from the accident. 
Vehicles can be repaired. Things can be repaired. But my son is not replaceable. And so I'm so very thankful that he was able to walk away. So the good, again, closing this out, the good I put into the universe was helping to grow my son, develop my son, throwing a big party for him. And then I feel that it came back to me the next day when he called for me for help. Right? He called out as a, a wolf looking to his pack for help. And he was able to walk away from the accident. And as an alpha wolf, I was able to be there to help my son. All right. Next week, really happy about my guest for next week. It's a man named Mr. Todd Sullivan. So Todd is a former college classmate. He's presently the director of resident life at Erickson Senior Living. And he's formerly the director of institutional advancement at the John Carroll School. Listen, as you go about your week, no matter where you're at, always ask, how can I help? Thanks for listening and join us again. I know the night will come. I know the night won't last. Oh, no. Your word will come to pass. My heart will see your praise again. I'll sing your praise again. Jesus. Promise.